0: In just a few moments, we're going to push away a whole lot of religion to try to get a better understanding of how it is that God desires for those who are saved to relate to Him. And I can tell you this much, it's probably not what you've heard in most churches. To help us get a better understanding of the relationship that God desires to have with us, we're going to experience the sound and the insights of a band from Kentucky known as The Ragamuffin Sons. Well, welcome, everyone, to the Raven's Heart live stream and podcast. As you can see, we got a party going on in here. And hey, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe and hit that bell to get notified for when we have more editions of Raven's Heart. We're on live every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And as you can see, I've got Sam and David from the Ragamuffin Sons with us. Guys, welcome to the live stream. Awesome, like- it is so good to have you guys on. Sam, we'll start with you since you're immediately uh, next to me on the screen here. What is it that you do with Ragamuffin Sons?
1: I'm the bass player.
0: Aha. Very important piece of equipment in a band, the bass. <laughs> Absolutely. Keep it thundering along. <laughs> yes. Yes. And David, what do you do? Uh, I'm,
2: I'm the lead singer, and uh, I play rhythm guitar as well.
0: Nice. So you're you're able to do both at the same time. Yes. That is amazing. So you can get up in front of a lot of people, sing and play rhythm guitar at the same time. And most of the times I feel like Jar Jar Binks behind the controls here because I'm trying to (laughs) host a show and uh, push all the buttons at the same time. So, but God graces it and it works. You guys describe Ragamuffin Sons as a Christian rock worship band. Well, we know that we've got Christian rock and we have worship. What is a Christian rock worship band? You want
2: to take
1: a crack, Sam? Sure. Sure, I can I can get us started on that. Uh Christian, Christian rock worship band, uh, how I see it, um, has a lot of influence from a rock background, style of music, uh, but then we also... Uh, take a lot of familiar worship tunes, things like that, and we'll apply that style to them. Uh, so it becomes kind of a rock worship style. Uh, but there are some that we also keep closer to your. Um, well, I'm afraid this I'll phrase it correctly, uh, but, you know, a lot of a lot of times we try to keep them as close to the original as possible, too. Mm. Um it just depends on which, which song it is. So
2: that's I want, how I will I play. The add, I want to tag in and add to that what Sam says. We pull from both the, the rock and roll genre and the worship genre and kind of mash everything together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he said, and part of the philosophy behind that is that God created all of music. Mm-hmm. And as a believer, every aspect of our life is supposed to be devoted to worship in him. Mm. And so we pull that together, that philosophy, and whether it is a, a secular rock cover tune that we're pulling in to do for familiarity or a worship tune that we're pulling in so the audience can sing along, uh, we, we try and turn everyone's direction back to worshiping God and to applying what we do and say and play to that aspect.
0: There are many who say that rock and worship have absolutely nothing in common. As a matter of fact, there's even those that say that they're opposing forces. What is the compatibility that you guys see between rock and worship, and not just even worship music, but just worship as a lifestyle? What, How how are these compatible?
2: Well, again, you know, God, God created all of music. And so if you go in the Bible and you look, you know, we have examples in the Bible where David writes in the Psalms, you know, play, play with a resounding cymbal and a tambourine. Uh, we have the example where David even danced before the Lord naked. And, and so to, to, to come in and question what someone's doing like that, you know, it's, you, you almost have to explore the intent behind it. And, and again, mm-hmm. everything we do, say, and play directs people back to God. And that's what we're supposed to be doing is directing people to God, not to make us famous, but to make God famous.
0: That's so beautifully said. When did you guys come to the realization? Each of you, Sam and David, when did you come to the realization in your life that rock and worship are compatible? Because that, for me, that was something I struggled with for many years of my life. Well, I can
1: I can take a start with that. Um, my my dad originally was a minister. And, uh, I didn't have a whole lot of hobbies, different things growing up. I went to a Christian school, uh, a lot of shelter type life. Uh, but when I was 16, uh, he had a vocal background, um, uh, doing things and thought that I needed a hobby. So they got me a guitar for my 16th birthday.
3: <laughs> and,
1: uh, with that, I discovered a lot of music. Uh, along the lines of classic rock, whether it was Carlos Santana or Pink Floyd or Stevie Ray Vaughan getting into blues, what have you. And uh, through that process of learning things, I uh, ended off going off to college and went to Western Kentucky University, got involved with some of the programs there, uh, Christian Student Fellowship, and back then it was known as... Uh, Baptist Student Union. Um, And with those, was able to plug in with other college students and would lead several nights a week uh, music. And it was more upbeat with drums, bass, guitar, you name it. And plugged into a church uh, in Bowen Green, Kentucky, um, that had a music minister there or a portion of the music ministry. uh, where he was a lead guitar player, had uh lived a life out in the world for many years, uh had actually toured with Carlos Santana. Wow. And ended up back at uh in, in Bowling Green in a small Baptist church. And uh the the interesting part of that was he was leading music on Sundays and was not putting in his full effort. Mm-hmm. And eventually an older lady, I think she was in her eighties, came up to him and said, honey, what, if, if for so many years you were out there putting forth so much effort for the devil, why can't you put that much more effort now that you're saved for your creator and your yeah. savior? And so, by being under his tutorship for several years and his guidance, I learned how to tie those together, uh, to, to be at the time I, I spent 20 plus years as a gu- guitar player, lead guitar player, and learned how to be an additional voice. So even though I wasn't vocally singing with my fingers
3: mm.
1: was allowing the spirit to flow through me and learning how to fill in those, those vocal parts as fills and different things so that I yeah. don't distract, but tie into that. So that's, that's how for me, it became a realization of tying in my faith with my guitar playing and, and, and the whole rock guitar plus worship, you name it. <laughs>
0: That is so fitting for some of the other things that we're going to talk about tonight because your father gave you a gift that released your giftings that is so cool when you were sixteen years old he gave you a guitar and look at what you're doing now because of the goodness of your father David how about for you How did you come to the realization that rock and worship are compatible?
2: you know it, it's been a long journey to to arrive at that point um, I've played music most of my life I've sang for most of my life my parents uh i grew up in a very small church conservative christian home in eastern kentucky and um my mom was a church pianist my dad's held just about every position in the church and he's currently the pastor of the church where i grew up uh and, and so you know i was a young child hyperactive mom recognized in me that i had a little bit of musical ability and she said i'm going to harness this i'm going to give you some direction <laughs> um mama's mama had two philosophies uh one of them was train up a child in the way he should go and he won't flee from it uh and, and then i think that sometimes the other one was foolishness is bound up in the heart of the child but the rod of correction will drive it far from him <laughs> but you know i i had great parents and and love my mom and dad they're still a, a very vital part of my life um but I came home from, you know, first day of school and and I, I jokingly tell this story. But mama met me at the door. She said, you're going to play the piano today or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and and so, you know, I joke about that. It wasn't really how she said, it, um, but she recognized that I had some gift. And she said, I want to train that up. And so mom sat with me every day for many, many years teaching me to play piano. Um, at some point in my middle school years, uh, I realized uh, like every young man does that uh, girls were out there and mm-hmm. I recognized that music was one of the things that attracted them. So I started learning, um, you know, some of the secular songs, uh, you know, like I could sit at the piano and play Brian Adams and Richard Marks and those kind of things. And, um, you know, they, they would all gather around and listen to me and play and sing. And, and it's kind of a spotlight center of attention. Um So, you know, I I grew up in that conservative background and I'm well-versed in all the hymns. Uh, Grew up singing Southern gospel music and uh, sang in a few groups through the years. Uh, One of a family group with my mom and dad and my sister. Um, But, uh, you know, love of music. I like it all and I love it all. And and so to this day, I still listen to to the Southern gospel genre and and the Mm -hmm. hymns and love them uh, dearly. But what really spoke to me musically when I was in middle school and high school was that distorted guitar and, oh, yeah. bass and drums. Um, and, and so I, I didn't know who any of the groups were, uh, but I, I just, I fell in love with the sound. And so I started exploring that and I kind of came into a lot of the secular music through the back door, you know, people who were popular in the eighties. Um, I, I fell in love with their, their current status at that time. And then as I became older, started exploring back into their histories and uh, the types of music they played. But what I was left with was I was left with an emptiness. I didn't have a fulfillment in that kind of music. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew there was more out there. I knew that there was something missing. And, and, you know, deep down inside, I knew it was God. I I was playing for all the wrong reasons. I was playing because I wanted to make me popular. Uh, and, And that probably continued for most of my adult life. Um, God had to send me through some trials to kind of get my attention and, uh, get me where he needed to be, be, me to be. Um, and I, you know, I, am not arrived there yet. I'm still on a journey. Uh, it, it's a growth day to day and, and a deeper relationship day to day. Um, but like Sam, you know, my parents gave me the gift of music. Uh, mom taught me to play piano. My dad came in when I was about 16 years old and, and they got me my first guitar and he showed me, you know, three chords or three or four chords. And he said, if you know these three or four chords, you can play any song. And uh, he was right. I could. I could play just about anything with those three or four chords once I got the patterns down and the strumming and and all that. Uh, And then I tied in the piano, the music history, and the the, uh, music theory. And if I didn't know a chord on the guitar, I would go searching through books to find it. Uh, And then I started chasing tone, and I started looking for – different chords and so I would individually pick out what notes I needed on the piano and then I would figure out where they were on the neck of the guitar and I would figure out how to contort my fingers into whatever position I needed to to get those chords and so a lot of times I'll sit down with a real guitar player and they'll look at my hand and they'll go what the heck are you playing I'm like I don't know I just made it up <laughs> <laughs> but as I've journeyed along that that route and I've learned the music and learned you know all that stuff uh, you know, I grew up in church. When I had kids, I wanted to take my kids to church, so I got involved with church. I got involved with worship teams in church. And what I what I learned in playing in various levels in church, I mean, I've, I've played in small congregations where it's just, you know, me, the pastor, and six other people in the audience. Um, I've played in some mega churches where, you know, I'm on a worship team that's really professional quality, musicians and uh, you know we we learn up and you what you hear on the cds exactly what they play um and and what i found was that in in learning all that stuff and in playing all that stuff i found fulfillment in chasing after god and mm-hmm. putting him in the music and so i kind of came full circle i went you know from classical music and Southern gospel and hymns through country music to rock and roll all the way back around to Christian rock and Christian worship music. And for me, honestly, I do not see a difference in the different genres. They, they, you know, they sound different, but if you're singing the lyrics and you're using them to glorify God, they all point to him and they all worship him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we tend to compartmentalize things as People, human beings, we have to put things in a box. That's just the way that we arrange things and do things. But you're right. I mean, me, my genre that I generally tend to lean towards is the heavier, harder rock side. But I got to tell you this I have been to Gaither Vocal Band concerts and thoroughly enjoyed them and thought they were. Totally awesome. So uh, it's really got nothing to do with the genre. It's got to do with the heart. And when you hear the heart behind it, something that we say around here, it's the heart behind the art is what matters, not the art yes. form it, itself. Here's the $64,000 question for the evening. What is a ragamuffin son?
2: <laughs> okay. it's, it's actually a two-part answer. Uh, you know, uh, Sam, you want to take part of it?
1: I I can, um, (laughs) (laughs) ragamuffin, uh, just in general, um, it is something, um, in definition, uh, in the past of some, someone, something, uh, that is, you know, maybe unwanted, unloved, um, is dirty um, you know in society we have expectations of uh, of certain things and it's like you know if you don't fit the mold um, you know you, you can be considered a ragamuffin um, to where um, uh, it, it even gets into definitions of like street children things like that mm. in the past where just running loose and, and, and something where, um, but you know, before, before the Lord took us in, um, we were disheveled, we were raggedy and, and he, he's turned that around for us. So that's one side of it. So go ahead, Dave, with the other.
2: And, and so the other part of that is uh, in, in picking up with what Sam said, you know, we are, we became ragamuffins simply by being born.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: We're born into a sin condition. We all have it. The Bible tells us that all of sin falls fall short of the glory of God. And, and so realizing that I have that condition and, and then further realizing that there's absolutely nothing I can do to fix that on my own. It, it leaves me in a state where I have to cry out to God. I have to cry out to him for salvation. And the beauty of that, you know, one of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Romans. And I love the um, the chap- chapter eight, uh, you know, where he talks about us being redeemed and being adopted as sons. Yeah. And so even though I was born with a condition called sin, my sins have been forgiven because I accepted Christ's salvation. That makes me a son of the kingdom. He says we eagerly await and anticipate the adoption of our Bodies and, and the adoption of the redemption of our bodies and the adoptions of as sons. That's how it goes. Yeah. And so that's where we are. We are all ragamuffin sons.
0: You know, my mom used to use that term when I dress myself, this is my younger years, I can dress myself a lot better now, as you, as you can see. But uh, when I would dress myself or make attempts to dress myself as a young man, I'd come down the stairs and she'd like be like, you look like a ragamuffin this morning. And that meant I needed to go back upstairs and uh, fix, fix the way that I looked before I walked out the door. You know, David, you just mentioned the book of Romans and in preparing for this edition that the Spirit led me right to the book of Romans at Romans chapter 8, verse 14, where it says, for as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And that I broke this down a little bit, and I looked at that word led and what that means. And the original Greek for that is the word ago. And it means to lead, like in being led and following, but it more beautifully means to spend a day. So if we spend our days with the Spirit of God, we are the sons of God. And I want to make this clear for everybody that's listening is this just does not apply to guys. This applies to women as well. They become the sons of God because in Galatians 3.28, it says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free male and female or male or female and female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And really what that is, meaning that we are sons of God, is that we take on the likeness of our Father, Um, His DNA is basically infused in us when we're saved, and we are rightful heirs to the inheritance of God. And that is something that I am just really kind of learning to walk in myself because it's just absolutely mind-blowing what that all means but especially what it means to take on the likeness of the father. That's just something that's, you know, really kind of mind blowing when you think about it. And Jesus himself said, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. He he said that it's, uh, it's recorded in the gospels. There's also a book called the ragamuffin gospel by Brennan Manning. Um, I want to draw attention to that real quick, too, because the premise of that book is that we've all kind of lost our concept of the wondrousness of the grace of God because we've become so focused on doing good works to try to balance the scales of justice. You know, oh, I got to do more good works to cancel out the bad works. And then we perceive God as just this detached entity in the sky with a scorecard, you know, just kind of keeping check of what we're doing. This is a mindset that has permeated a lot of people. And even people that have been saved by the grace of God have this perception in there. What are some examples of this mindset that, you know, God's just keeping score, and we got to do more good and more bad that maybe some people who've been saved by grace have unwittingly adopted?
2: That's that's such a good question, and so many different levels. In in different places, but one of the things that I have encountered time and time again is that that idea that that God is keeping the scorecard, that He's sitting up in heaven and He is, you know, checking off if I read my Bible and He's checking off if I go to church and He's checking off if I help feed the homeless or give to a charity and and then He's you know making an X or taking away you know a, a, a point if I say a bad word or I don't go to church or I don't read my Bible. And the reality is, is that when, when you look at the relationship, I just heard a great sermon this past weekend. When you look at the relationship God wants with us, it's described in the 23rd Psalm as the Lord is my shepherd. Hmm. And the pastor that was preaching out of that, he said, what is it that the shepherd wants from the sheep? And his answer, and and I believe this is borne out in the rest of that text in the 23rd Psalm, his answer was, he simply wants the sheep to follow him. That's it. And if you look throughout the New Testament, that's what Paul taught. That's what Peter taught was that, you know, it's it's grace only. Um, Ephesians says, you know, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God and it's not of works so that no one can boast. And so, you know, it's, it's nothing I can do. I, I referenced it earlier and said, you know, there's nothing I can do to fix my sin condition. There is nothing in my own power. The the Bible describes my own power and all of my good works and deeds as filthy rags. Yep. And, and Paul even writes, you know, there's, there's none righteous. No, not one. All have turned away from God. All have followed their own ways. And, and so, you know, the, the church sometimes gets uh, that mentality of uh, adding other things to it. And, and you know, there are certainly, uh, you know, denominations out there where, you know, they, they, they say things like that. You can lose your salvation or you mm-hmm. can, you know, do something to earn uh, salvation. And, and, you know, we, do, we see that permeated all throughout our culture, uh, especially in America. There's there's an idea that I have to work to earn something, you know, yeah, uh, and and I see that in the church all around me.
0: Yeah, you know, as you were saying that, as we're sitting here talking about the list and God checking the list, it reminded me of Santa Claus. You know, yeah. we, we've got this Santa Claus view of God that he's you know making the list, he's checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty and nice. And uh, Santa Claus is coming to town and uh, we have Jermaine. He just joined us from Tricord in Georgia. He says, hey, guys, sorry, I'm late. Jermaine, welcome to the live stream. And we are talking about being sons of God to you, Sam and David. What does it mean to you to be a son of God? What does that mean to you?
1: Uh, For me, especially, um, to, to be a son of God, to be a child of God, um, means that through the salvation that I have, that I'm a joint heir with Jesus. So uh, everything that the Father you know, provided through Jesus, even though Jesus is part of the Trinity, as a joint heir, anything that Jesus has rights to is also available to me
0: um, more than anything. And David, for you? Uh,
2: you know, I, I have to echo what Sam said. You know, I, I've i been adopted into the family. Um, I've been given a new name. I, I'm no longer what I used to be. Uh, all of that, you know, the old man is dead. New things have come. Uh, and so you know, it, literally I'm a new person. I'm, I'm in a new family. I was born into the family of sin, born into the family of death. And now I've transitioned into the family of life. Yeah. Uh, and, and so for me, being a son of God means that I, I have to reflect my family. I have to bring honor to my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means, you know, just, just like the old mentality that that we hear about, you know, carrying on the family name and yes. Know, being being in the family business, so to speak. I, I love the story where uh, when Jesus was 12 years old and he disappeared from his family on a trip and then they left him at the temple in Jerusalem and didn't know it. And he, they, they go back to pick him up and he asked his mom, well, why were you worried? You know, I have to be about my father's business. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me as a son of God, I, I literally have to fulfill, not, not have to is a bad word, I guess, but for me, it, it's a, um, it's a duty as a son to fulfill my father's mission. Uh, yes. And, and so, you know, I, I try and take everything in that aspect of what does, what What did God command? And, you know, the, the last thing he said before he left the earth was go into all the world, teach them what I've taught you, make disciples and baptize them. And so that, you know, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's going to work at a, construction site or going to work at a a pizza parlor or wherever you find yourself in life, if you call yourself a believer and you claim to follow God and be a part of His family, you should be reflecting His duty and His purpose.
0: Yes. Yes. I want to go back to something you said just a few minutes ago to help clarify some things. And this is something that I think the church has lost, especially when it comes to God's grace and when it comes to salvation. You know, we, we talk about When somebody becomes saved and then them not losing their salvation, well, you can't earn it and you can't undo it. It's not by your works. So what about all that stuff where people just completely fall away and go nuts and everything like that? Well, it's different in different instances, but I do have to say this about salvation is because we don't earn it by our works. Salvation, being born again is a supernatural, miraculous experience. Yes. it's not something that we can work up i just can't walk into a church and say hey i'm born again now god has to do something and that's where that's where we lose it and we miss it that's where he the the holy spirit comes in and dwells on the inside of you 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 know on the inside it's a spiritual transformation that happens. You just can't make a decision that, oh yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think I'm going to try Jesus and follow him and do that for a little while. There is something miraculous and there's something that changes on the inside of us when that happens. Because man, I I remember when I was saved, I was into all sorts of stuff. And then all of a sudden after Jesus saved me, and I remember the day very vividly, uh, the taste that I had for certain things It wasn't. It tasted disgusting. You know, the things that I thought that I liked of the flesh, I didn't want it anymore. It was something that I couldn't work up or that I could do in and of myself. And man, I couldn't understand really the Bible for the life of me until I was saved. I had a head knowledge of it. But then when I started reading scripture after I was saved, it started to jump off the pages because God did something supernaturally on the inside. That's how we are born into the family, man. It's like Fast and Furious. It's family. We're all we're all family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, we we can get into that danger zone, and I think we all get there in in doing this after we're saved. Yeah, we're saved by grace, and then we got to work it all out by works. That's not the way that it works. Um, what is the danger that you see in trying to balance the scales of God God's justice? by our own works, trying to obtain his favor by doing that. How does that hinder us from walking with him as a son?
1: I can, I can definitely say, um, you know, if if you get too caught up in the, um, the processes, the ceremonies, the, you know, um, I have to, I have to do these, certain things uh, on a regular basis. Um, You know, whether it's in a, no matter what denomination you're with, you know, it's like, oh, we, we have to stand up and, and read the scripture together for this part. We have to sit down for this part. We have to have a limited amount of time of music for this part, or, or we just let the music go as long as we want, whatever, you know, whether it's, just following those steps and making sure that it's regimented mm-hmm. uh, is where I find that it becomes distracting um, and, and allows the devil to get in there to uh, cloud our mind as to what we're really supposed to be doing with our relationship. Yeah. Because so many people these days, uh, you know they really get into what uh, you know why? Why should we follow Jesus? This, this, and that, and the other, uh, and why can't all religions get along? It's because all the other religions are exactly that—they're religions.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: With with our Savior and our Lord, it's relational. Yes, it's a relationship, not not just following orders, following, yes, there are things as a part of that that we do. And going back to the the thing of works, the scripture says they will know you by what your works are, yeah. but your works don't save you. So yeah. it's a relationship with Jesus, a relationship with the Father, and not not all of the regimented steps of, well, we have to do this at this time, we have to do this at that time, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah. I like what you're saying there, because a couple of years ago, we did an edition uh, where we talked about that, Escaping the Depths of re- Religion. And when you get into the steps and the formulas, you're actually getting into witchcraft. There's no difference between that and witchcraft, which is steps, formulas, and, uh, you know, different t- traditions. So, yeah, that's what you're getting into with religion. And, uh, you know, when you go to Romans 8, um, ch- uh, chapter 8, verse 15, after eight fourteen, which we just talked about and becoming sons of God or being sons of God, it says, For ye, ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, "Abba, Father." And what religion does to us, to me, is it instills in us a spirit of fear and bondage. Oh, if I don't read my Bible today, it's going to be a bad day. Or if I don't worship in a certain way, it's going to be a, a, a you know I'm going to be cursed. You know, you're trying to balance all these things out to prevent you know the the hand of God from coming down and smiting smiting thee. When God's a good God. You know, there is the wrath of God. There is no question about that. And there is chastisement for when you're not in alignment with him, but he wants to be a, you know, he is a good father and he, that's what he wants to show and reveal to us.
2: I like what you said there about being in alignment with God. Uh, and that was one of the things about the question you just asked that I was going to bring up is that if we try and put works into it or things that I can do, um, and we don't make it about that relationship. If we make it more about that, then we're making it more about ourselves. First off, that takes us out of alignment with God. Uh, you know, if you look in the, the history in the Bible and you look at the, the stories that are related in there, one of them that I've always wondered about and, and wish I could have kind of been a fly on the wall for was that moment in Isaiah where it talks about Lucifer being cast out of heaven. And, and what did he do? He said, I will be, like the most high, I will ascend to the heights. Um, And so he put himself in the place of God. And that's why Lucifer was cast out of heaven and then became Satan. And and so, you know, if we try and make it about what I'm doing, if we try and make it about my works or my boxes that I have to check off, what I'm doing is I'm inserting myself into that relationship in the place of God. And I'm, I, I run that risk of, you know, blasphemy or, going farther, you know, I'm definitely out of alignment at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And here's something else we don't think about, and this is something to melt your mind a little bit on. Uh, we talk about the things that we think we need to do to please God, but a lot of times we think about the things, don't even think about the things that we didn't do that He expects us to do. Um, reminds me when I was growing up in, I grew up in an in Episcopal church, and when we would do confession, we talk about the things that we had done, ask for forgiveness for that, and the things that we had left undone. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is an absolute no win situation because there's stuff that I'm supposed to be doing that I didn't even know about. Well, you know, check the box on that one. I asked for, conf- you know, I confess that one, um, yeah. but you know, th- that just shows how far off we are as human beings from God's will and why we need to be led of the spirit. And we've got a comment from Jermaine. He says, it's all about relationship. Adam literally walked with God. After getting kicked out, they lost that privilege. Jesus literally came back to bridge that relationship. That is so true. It wants to take us back to Eden, you know, that relationship that Adam and Eve had with God where they walked with him daily. And uh, Jermaine says, God doesn't care about our rituals and religion. He cares about relationship, just like people say they cannot follow God because there are too many rules. It's not about following rules. It's about building such a firm foundational relationship that we don't want to break his heart. And then he continues and says, I grew up thinking, even if I cuss, I was getting struck by lightning, but that isn't grace. No, that is not grace at all. And that doesn't give us permission to go and license to go and do that. But, you know, that was one of the things for me. And I can relate to that, man. I had, I could make up my own cuss words and, you know, things that people had never heard before I was saved. I, I was ingenious at it. And then after I was saved, I didn't want to do that anymore. I just didn't want to do it anymore because I knew it was not, it wasn't a head knowledge. It was something that was in my heart. So it's all about relationship with God. It's got nothing to do with religion. And that's something, you know, as you guys were saying earlier, growing into things and walking into things is something that we have to do. I want to talk a little bit more about the band Ragamuffin Sons. What is the purpose of? of your ministry? What is the assignment that God has given you specifically as a band?
2: Well, I, I would say first and foremost, it goes back to that question earlier about worship. Uh, we, we are called to worship and point people to God. Uh, and what that looks like for us on the ground is, is that whether we play to a, a crowd of you know one person or we go and play to a crowd of 10,000 people, we're there for one purpose, and that is to minister to the one person in that audience that God brought there to speak to. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer that he He brings people and he draws people into those events and he brings them there. And sometimes that's the only way they would ever have any encounter with God is coming to a concert or coming to an event. Um, and, and, you know, perfect examples. We've played at a, a, a little small church up in the Louisville area that, uh, you know, literally was like maybe 15, 20 youth and probably about 15, 20 adults. Uh, and we, we saw revival break out that night. Um, there, there were teens coming down to the altar and, and praying and broken about things in their lives and crying. There was a, a gentleman who came and, and accepted Christ that night and was baptized that night. And literally just weeks before that, uh, he had come to an event at the church and, he, he was kind of like, yeah, I'm never going to step foot inside your church. And, and, you know, here he is three weeks later, accepting Christ and being baptized. Uh, and, and so those encounters where it's that specific purpose of meeting the needs of that one person, uh, that, that's what our ministry is all about. Yeah.
0: yeah. Leaving the 99 to go find the one. Yeah, yep, we
1: that, we use that reference a lot. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, comes up in reference uh, on a regular basis with with us and uh, the others. That uh, there's there's other local bands that we partner up with on a regular basis, to where that comes up in discussion all the time, and it, and it's a common you know vision that we have. So we know that that we're all in the mindset of. Reaching that one, because of what what uh, what the Lord's vision is to leave the ninety nine for the one, and wow. so if we only re- reach one every time, that's what we're there for.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a big deal when you reach that one. You know, Absolutely. it's it's a really big deal to partner with God. Uh, first of all, in that, and then second of all, what it you know all of the. Things that God has to do to bring somebody to a point of salvation, you know, it's, it's, it's a process. Sometimes the things that they have to go through in their life, um, Him pursuing them, you know, because it says very clearly in Scripture that no man comes unto Me except the Father which sent Me draws Him, and you're included in that drawing process, which is so. Beautiful. And that's one of the things, too, is we can get so caught up in numbers and say, well, you know, we're being successful because of the numbers or we're having success because of numbers. But really, that success is in, in that soul being plucked from the flames of hell. And that is so awesome. How long is it that you guys have been playing together?
2: Uh, I think we got together right around uh, October of 2021, right about the same time the, the single Standing on My Own came out. Um, and so we, um, we came from different backgrounds. Um, you know, we haven't, we haven't mentioned the other guys yet, but I'll take a quick moment just to mention them. Um, so Ron Powers, our drummer and, um, Jim Schroeder our other rhythm guitar player, uh, go to church together and Jim had wanted to learn to play guitar for a long time. And, He kind of picked it up and started dabbling in it. And as he got a little bit better and a little bit better, he started hounding Ron. Hey, let's put, put a band together. Let's put a band together. And so, um, they kind of started, you know, going down that road and looking at that. Um, and Brian Foster, our lead guitar player, uh, is cousins with Ron and they had played in some bands together. So Ron kind of drew him in, um, while all that was going on, I was coming back into music. I've I've played in several bands through the years, and uh, I kind of took a, a hiatus from that and uh, just really spent some time, you know, playing with my church band and uh, attending church and working on my relationship with God. And then I had kind of made a decision: I want to come back in to playing with a band and singing with a band. And so I was looking for a place to play. Um, I auditioned for another local Christian group up here in the. Louisville Kentucky area um and didn't get selected they selected another lady who was is an awesome vocalist she she's perfect for their ministry and what they were doing but Ron approached those guys and he said hey I know y'all just got a new lead singer who was your second choice and they recommended me as their second choice and so Ron contacted me brought me on board um we had a different bass player starting out and um he had some health concerns with COVID going on and coming out of that. Um, and, and so, you know, just a lot of different things that, that led to him taking a step back and saying, I'm not going to be in the group. Um, Jim knew Sam and kind of mentioned it to him, drew him in. And Sam comes to the first rehearsal to, to audition. And lo and behold, I already knew Sam from another church encounter uh, in, in Shelbyville, Kentucky area when I used to live there. Uh, And and Sam was just a perfect fit. His his mindset, his mentality, his abilities, uh, just it jailed. And so he came on board. Um, But, you know, it's been actually I said we got together. It may have been a little bit earlier. It was probably 2020, late 2020 that we got together.
1: Yeah. 2020, yeah. Yeah, because I didn't actually jump in until it was between March and April of 2021.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a whirlwind for me. It's all going to yes. happen so fast that I, I have trouble keeping up with the dates sometimes. But uh, yeah, they, you know, they'd
1: basically been together, I think, about six months before I was approached. Yeah, and then I did the audition, and they're like, "It's yours if you want it." And I said, "Well, let's let, let's let's hold the horses a little. I want <laughs> I, I want to fill this out a little bit. Need to pray about it a little bit. Uh, of course." You know, I came home that night and my wife knew right from the very first. She's like, I I knew you were gonna do it. <laughs> it's just a matter of of uh, you know, just just trying to to make sure that it was gonna work with everything we had going on. So Yeah.
0: Yeah. Jermaine from Tricord says they got together in early 2020 as well. There was a lot of bands that came together in twenty twenty. And the reason why I asked you that question is when I listen to your music, it sounds like you've been together forever. It's a, it's a well-oiled machine. It just, as you were saying just a minute ago, everybody and everything just gels. And the song that I'd like to feature is standing on my own. Before we play that song, can you tell us what this one's about?
2: Yeah. Um, so I was in one of those encounters with another band that I was playing in. I played bass guitar, um, in, in a little band called Sonic Ministry. And, uh, had a lead guitar player in that band that was just phenomenal lead guitar player. He was like Eddie Van Halen. He, he came in and he, that was his warm up. He'd play eruption for his warm up. you know, just a <laughs> phenomenal guitar player. And, um, uh, he went through a rough patch and, um, you know, he, he went through a divorce and, and just a, a lot of personal struggles going through that divorce. Um, and, uh, the, the guy who was the lead singer in that band and, and rhythm guitar player. Uh, we were talking on the phone one day and he just in passing, he made the comments. Uh, we just need to be praying for our brother. He's not standing on his own right now. Mm. And I started thinking about that and I was driving to work at the time. I was working in the department of corrections, working in the prison system. And I got to work, clocked in, went in, sat down at my desk and the song literally wrote itself in about 15 15- 20 minutes wow and um you know it was just it, it blew my mind how fast it came together but I guess just mulling on it on that drive to work and then sitting at my desk for a few minutes it just God gave me the lyrics and uh you know it, it just fell fell together and and typically when I write you know I if I've got a good song like that I hear everything all at once. I get the, the guitar parts and I, I typically will have some mainstream band that I've been listening to playing it in my head. Um, in the case of that song, um, it was kind of a mixture of Third Day and Stephen Curtis Chapman that were kind of playing in my head with mm-hmm. that song. And uh, we, we tried to stay as true to that as we could when it got to the studio and use those influences. Um, but had a phenomenal producer in the studio, um, Jordan Bailey, from uh, the band Carrollton, uh, was was the producer on that. And uh, Michael Loy, the drummer from Carrollton, came in and he played drums in the studio on that because I hadn't connected with Ron and the rest of the guys at that point. Um, but in the in the process of pulling the song together, uh, the band was formed. And so we kind of came in on the back end and adopted that as our first single. and pulled it together and put it out Um, and it just, it's, it's been an amazing
3: journey.
0: This is standing on my own by ragamuffin sons.
3: do the don't just search On <tek diplomacy> I am not standing on my own, 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 I am not standing.
0: That is Standing on My Own by Ragamuffin Sons. And Jermaine uh, is weighing in with a comment on the song. He says, that's a very 90s and early 2000s rock vibe. It's like if Seal meant goo-goo dolls. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. (laughs) And he also says, you guys are crazy good. And Jermaine, who is one of our uh, major supporters and fans here, he gives you, in Jermaine his hieroglyphics. There's a lot of hearts. um, Thumbs up. Uh, I, I can't read it all. I still need to get the Rosetta stone, please Jermaine on that. Um, so I can learn how to read all of that, the hieroglyphics, but yeah, I mean, it's got the nineties vibe to it, but I kind of say, you know, when I listen to that song, it kind of takes me back. I'm going to date myself a little bit here, riding in my mom's 1970 edition, uh, Mitsubishi cult listening to the AM radio, kind of a throwback to the seventies a little bit. Um, You know, very nostalgic feel to it, very polished, but what a message. And Jermaine says, uh, you have to get with me so I can teach you, Glenn. Yes, Jermaine, we we need to do some online classes for that so I can, you know, maybe (laughs) next time be able to read all that there. I want to talk about one of the – a couple of the verses before we close out this evening because – You wrote this song so quickly. The Spirit of God just came upon you to write this song. But something so profound in here says, We often face our trials with our lives left in defeat. We quickly forget God's promise that in our weakness, He is strong. Guys, from your experience, your insights, and what God has shown you, how can we change our thinking where, you know, when we see trial and tribulation... It's automatically doom, you know, oh, God's, you know, out to get me or I must have done something wrong. He's not with me. How do we change our mindset from going quickly to that to going to quickly? Hey, God's going to arise. He's with me. I'm, you know, I'm standing on his shoulders. We've got this. We're going to conquer. How can we do that?
2: You know, for me, I can't say that it's a quickly transition. Sometimes I I wallow in a little bit of defeat whenever I'm down. Um, But... One of the things that has worked best for me is, is the promise that God made, uh, you know, through through Paul's writings. And I forget the exact reference, but, uh, you know, there's this verse that he says, there's no temptation. That's one translation. There's another translation. that There's no trial that takes you. It's not common to man. But God is faithful and he will allow you with that temptation or trial. He'll provide a way of escape. And so I, I literally, when I'm faced with some of my struggles and I'm at my lowest, I have to pray God's words back to me. I have to pray, mm-hmm. God, you said that I'm going to go through some struggles. I'm going to go through some trials. You've said you're, you've conquered death and sin. You've conquered all the things I'm going to face. So I'm praying back to you. You will provide a way of escape for this.
1: Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and for me, um, I I've held on for years uh going back to the old testament uh jeremiah twenty nine eleven through thirteen and you know the lord's saying that, that I know I have the plans I have for you for a hope and a future and and there's actually beyond that uh in twelve and thirteen it goes even deeper of if you seek me, you'll find me and and uh just the promises in that so to be able to hold on to that when going through difficult times and uh, struggles, to know that He has you uh, in His plans and and knows what the next step is, even though we're not seeing the whole picture, yeah. um, is is a big part of it.
0: Yeah. And even if we got ourselves into that mess, even if we blew it, you know, while we were. Pursuing the heart of the Lord. He still does provide a way of escape. Uh, I saw that clearly this morning. I've been looking at the life of Samson, you know, over the past couple of weeks. And when he was in the prison, the dungeon, grinding, blind with no eyes, his hair started to grow back. And that was his way of escape. And he escaped in a Pretty epic manner (laughs) and uh, started something that David finished, um, you know, in in conquering the Philistines and subduing them. But even Samson had a way of escape, and God provides us a way of escape, even if we've created that trial or tribulation ourselves. But God knew it beforehand, just as you were saying, Sam. He knew, you know, he foreknows everything, and that's how he's able to provide the way of escape. And I would like to encourage our viewers and our listeners. That when you do face those trials, God has provided the way and you are not alone. That is a lie from the pit that you are by yourself and that this thing is going to defeat you. And I know there's a lot of people, I've been talking to a lot of people over the past several weeks that are going through a lot of trials and tribulations right now. And I want that to encourage their hearts. Sports fans, I mean, that right there, what you just heard from David and Sam about not standing on our own is worth the price of this edition this evening that is it right there in a nutshell and Jermaine agrees he says yes it is hey we are running short on time I got to close out with our viewers and our listeners really quick and guys I'll be right back with you and uh, just want to let everybody know that we will be back next week at 8pm eastern time and we've got a very special edition coming up with a friend of Lithos Cry he's been a friend of ours for many years he is Michael Turley now let me explain to you what we're going to be getting into next week it's something very different and that's what i like about it. it's really really kind of out there uh michael uh he actually uh preached on stage at rock fest in 2021 here in charleston south carolina but uh we're going to explore the art form of spontaneous prayer tracks rooted in the prophetic uh which are a mixture of lo-fi cinematic and uh raw groove so um yeah it's going to be really, really exciting and interesting. Uh, We're going to delve into the prophetic a little bit more. That's something that we're going to do this month and really looking forward to Michael coming on with us. And uh, it's going to be a great addition. And don't forget too, that we also have Lithos Bites on our YouTube page. So if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, we have our Lithos Bites and we have our latest one uh, that's been put up that was actually done by my wife, Deb, and it's entitled Angelic Stardust. It's not what you think it is so but uh go ahead and check that out and uh for those of you that have uh, been watching the Lithospites, don't forget we also have our critique of scripture that can be found in the stranger things series so That's what we're talking about. Supernatural stuff, everybody. So uh, join us next week. David and Sam, thank you so much for joining us uh, tonight. And uh, we look forward to more things coming from uh, Ragamuffin Sons. Do you guys have a way that people can keep up with Ragamuffin Sons news?
2: Uh, Definitely through our Facebook page. We are on Facebook so they can go there and follow us uh, and see that. Um, We're in the studio recording right now. Uh, I'm finishing up vocal tracks on our next single tomorrow night. And uh, hopefully we should have that out in the next coming couple of weeks.
0: Nice. I caught you as you're working on a brand new project. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, may the Lord continue to bless you with the salvation of many more souls through your ministry. Uh, you're doing a good work and uh, many crowns laid up for you in heaven. That's, that's what we're hoping for, uh, for you guys and going to be praying for. And we look forward to having you again on sometime when you have some new music that comes out.
2: Thank you, Glenn. We look forward to that too.
0: Absolutely. And everybody that's been watching and listening until lithoscry.com.